Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 474. Life needs to be lived with passion on every level. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Frank Adeli. Frank, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm all wrapped up and ready to go, Mark. All right. Great to have you here. Frank Adeli is the founder and owner of Exclusive Option starting from an obsessive dilemma of how to skillfully modify the exterior and especially the interior of his personal 911 in an upgraded OEM manner, he found great difficulty in sourcing rare and exclusive interior parts, so he decided to create them himself. At Exclusive Option, he has created a team that specializes in the production of extremely high-quality factory-style leather and Alcantara options for late-model Porsches. There, Frank manages the designs and the production of these bespoke interior components with dreams of becoming a full-scale supplier for other brands and eventually a renowned coach builder in the automotive industry. Frank, I've told our listeners a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little bit more about your business and your passion for automobiles? Sure, Mark. Um, Thank you so much for having me on your show. You're welcome. Um, I'd like to say that it's been an incredible journey so far, and Exclusive Option has been the number one passion for me and everybody part of the team. And uh, we're creating the dreams that people would like to have for their Porsches. A lot of people order the cars, some find them on the lot, some people buy the car secondhand. So we're able to provide a level of customization after the factory gates. And uh, the quality and the design of our products are very similar to what you would get by ordering them from Porsche. However, we do have our own spin on some of the products. Uh, It has been quite a uh, enjoyment to see people ordering these parts from us and being able to produce these parts to exacting factory specifications and delivering them to happy customers all over the world. Uh, It's been an awesome journey so far, Mark. Well, I got to meet you and look at your products while I was at Rensport. And 
I will tell our listeners that I was blown away. I mean, these look like factory parts. In some cases, better than factory parts, in my opinion. And I've been around Porsche for a long time. Now, you provide parts for later Porsches, so like 911s, Boxsters, and Caymans. Is that right? Yes. Uh, our product line starts from uh, 996 uh, all the way up to the latest 991. Uh, we do have a series of air-cooled parts, uh, Cayenne and Macan parts as well, 996, 997, 991, 981, and 987. And uh, we also do special projects in between. Uh, currently, we're working on a 918 leather cup holder, for example. Well, this is really cool. Very exciting. We're going to learn a lot more about you as we go through the questions. But first, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. This is a saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Frank, take the wheel. Sure. Thank you, Mark. My personal quote, as far back as I can remember, has been, uh, make it happen. <laughs> So currently, uh, we're making parts and uh, we're making things happen in our business. But making it happen has been something that I'd always hold uh, close to myself. And it could have been anything from making a situation happen, making an occasion happen, uh, making a uh, idea happen. And uh, as long as you apply this make it happen to any endeavor that you set out to do, there is no back door. There is no uh, route of backing off from that. Either you're going to make it happen or you're not. And uh, once we started the business, we became a little more particular. And a mantra that we actually have scribbled on one of the uh, whiteboards in our uh, workshop is Vanenhui Hintenpui. And that's translation in a southern dialect of German, which means good from the front, good from the back. <laughs> you know, I love this. I love so much about this. That's really great. I had a guest on several weeks ago, David Beatty, who makes very, very unique high-end slot car tracks. And his mantra was so similar. If it is meant to be, it is up to me. And that's very much what comes to mind when you tell me about your slogan. And you're going to have to uh, send me the correct spelling of the German mantra that you just quoted me so I can put that on your show notes page. But two great quotes, two great entrepreneurial quotes for people who are out there making it happen. I love that. Would you share a story with me that instigated your, uh, your passion for automobiles. I know you're a Porsche guy. You and I share that. We had a nice talk in our pre-show chat here about Porsches. Is there a pivotal moment in your life, as you remember, when you really knew that you were a car guy? I remember in uh, kindergarten, I was told to uh, draw a house with a tree. And instead, I drew a uh, rendering of some type of sports car. I, I think it looked like a Testarossa or something like that. <laughs> and this, this was interesting because the teacher looked at my drawing and said, this is not a house. And, and I answered back to her. I said, yeah, I want to draw this. And from then on, I can remember that any time that the younger children, they were playing with the games and computer games, I was looking at Road and Track or Motor Trend or European car, car magazines. And in between studying and my books, I would have brochures to the side and I would study these brochures. And it, it, was, it became almost an obsession that any uh, thing related to automobiles I was gravitated towards. Sure. It didn't help that my father was a car guy himself. Uh, <laughs> he had a repair shop and a uh, used car lot. 
And uh, the summers, instead of being spent at summer camps, were spent on the lot. And uh, my brother and I were uh, sitting in these cars of the lot. And, you know, there was all types of cars there. Anywhere from I I sat in a Yugo (laughs) to a 944s to a 300SL, you know, any type of Japanese American car. And it was very interesting at that point. I had a lot of time just fiddling with the interior of these cars and feeling the textures and looking at the plastics and the fit and the finishes. And I developed a sense of attention to detail to this type of uh, things at a very young age. Yeah, yeah. And um, I guess we were doing at the time what we could to keep ourselves busy and entertained. Little did I know. Yeah, summer camp in a, in a car lot. That sounds pretty cool to me, actually. So <laughs> I like that. <laughs> well, and I know that you uh, you studied school. Um, you have an MBA. You have papers from a university in the UK. And then you went off to uh, uh, art center. Is that right? Yes. Um, I had always had a passion to be a car designer from a very young age. I had a decision to make for myself, whether to go to business school or to go to uh, Academy of Art and study transportation design. Mm -hmm. And um, I had a meeting with uh, Tom, which was an automotive designer. He designed the uh, E30 BMW and the Mazda Miata. We had a conversation, and after speaking to him for a couple of moments, he, he told me, he said, you're better off going to business school. Go to business school, uh, learn how business works, and uh, once you are out of business school, come out, hire some car designers, and start a business. Uh, that's not exactly how it worked out, but he gave me the reasons being that working as a car designer, there's a lot of compromise, there's a lot of teamwork, and more than likely, most car designers cannot afford the cars that they're designing right away. So yeah. in, in order to speed up this process and to get some type of absolute satisfaction of seeing something from your imagination to a reality, he had recommended taking a business route and then combining it with uh, automotive education. Yeah, one of my dreams to uh, get some education in design. And uh, after I had completed my MBA, I went to take courses at the Art Center. Very cool. I love it. That's great. Well, Frank, what I'd love to do now is uh, crawl under the hood, as I say, and talk a little bit about a big challenge that you've had along the way, or even better, a big failure that you've faced. But the most important part of this has to do with how did you overcome that situation and what did you learn from it? So take us down that road. Sure. You know, every project has had its challenges and uh, technical issues. From our day-to-day, we can see the challenges of matching the textures and the colors and the different fitments for the different parts we build. But uh, personally, I had faced many challenges throughout to enter the automotive industry on a professional level. I remember uh, from the time that I was in my undergrad, I had applied for an internship at a place called uh, Canapa Design. Have Uh, you heard of them? Yes, Bruce Canapa. Yes. Oh, yeah. He's been a guest on Cars, yeah. Yeah, he's been uh, the, one of the first people to legalize the 959. Oh, yeah. And uh, that, that drew me into his business because it was close by the university I attended. And uh, I had come up with this very elaborate PowerPoint of all of these cars that I had modified, most of them friends' cars and different ideas that I had. And to make a long story short, I, I didn't get the internship. Mm. 
And um, it, it was very disappointing for me. Yeah. Um, I, I was 18 years old. I, I had a lot of information. I wanted to be able to have an outlet for this. And what better to share this with a local business? And uh, it didn't happen. So um, that was one of the setbacks. Uh-huh. Then while I was in uh, my MBA program, I had uh, applied to uh, Tesla, which was just starting out. Okay. And not a lot of people had heard about this company, and I really believed in what they were doing. At the time, they were uh, selling the Roadster. um, Oh, the little kind of the lotus-bodied Roadster? Yes, yes. Okay. Sure. I applied to Tesla, and uh, I tried up several meetings with them, and uh, it didn't lead to anywhere. Mm. So that, I would say, would be the second setback. Then, uh, finally, I said, okay, well, I'm going to have to get some type of job in the automotive industry. I'm graduating very soon. Why don't I decide to check out this new company called Coda? And what Coda was doing was this was a company based in Santa Monica. They were taking these cars from China built by a company called BYD, and they were installing electric engines Mm. and selling them for about 40, 50K. Mm -hmm. Issue was that, you know, a couple years later, this company didn't exist past its first LA Auto Show. And that was great, but uh, I didn't get the job there either. So, oh, oh gosh. <laughs> well, you know, let's talk about this for a second because applying to different job positions, whether they're internships or jobs or whatever, you know, we've all tried that. We've done that. We don't get in where we want to get. What, what do those lessons teach you? How did they help you move forward and past those moments of disappointment? Well, uh, at this point, I was trying to integrate myself into the automotive industry under somebody else's corporation or company. And I I realized that with all of these attempts at entering this industry, there was one thing that I learned. Uh, I learned that these obstacles were nothing more but message and a signal for me to go ahead and start my own business (laughs) and to start offering things that I thought industry lacked and gave me the confidence that uh, this was the way that I must choose. So uh, (laughs) in in retrospect, I don't look at these as challenges. I don't look at these as setbacks, but rather than uh, pivotal points in this roadmap to this uh, company that's been founded. You know, it's a really great way to look at things. I had somebody tell me years ago that when something doesn't work out, you dodged a bullet. And I love the way that he said that to me. Of course, he was a retired FBI agent, so he lived in kind of that world of of, of things. So there was a relationship there. But his main idea was that wasn't a good fit for you. And you just didn't know it at the time. These experiences can be things that push us in another direction. In your case, and I love the way you looked at these pivotal moments because that word pivot is so important that they kind of turned you a little bit, pointed you in another direction, another direction, another direction, and eventually led you to where you really needed to be, and that was running your own company. So very cool story. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. Would you share what I like to call a career aha moment? It's a time when those headlights come on and illuminate your way for this new direction, this new idea that you have, and tell us the steps you took to turn your aha moment into a success. You know, the aha moment was uh, I finally applied to a part-time position, marketing position, for a uh, dismantling yard uh, in the Los Angeles area. 
and they were specializing in Porsche parts. Oh, okay. And I was in charge of organizing this stock and marketing this stock because one of the big issues with these uh, parts dismantling places is you don't know what they have. Yes. You don't know what's buried deep beneath all that junk. Yeah. And uh, I was uh, given the task of organizing and being able to market their inventory. During this time, um, I noticed that all walks of life, all interests, all different type of Porsche owners were coming for smallest part, conversion packages, fenders, uh, you know, speedster windshield, all the rare stuff that was on some of these crashed cars. Mm-hmm. It gave me that uh, focus that some of these parts are worth more than the value of its car as a whole. <laughs> yes. And um, the parts business could be very lucrative if uh, marketed properly and organized properly. And I'd never considered uh, parts being a main line of business. As as a youth, I would buy and sell parts on eBay um, in order to uh, find parts and to move parts. And I'd looked at it as something on the side. But I never saw this as a large, organized scale business. And throughout my time there, I'd noticed that some of the rare, more exclusive parts demanded a hefty premium. And people were scouring to find these parts because it was very difficult to order from the parts department or uh, they just weren't available anymore, especially some of these 993 Turbo S parts. They're they're just non-existent unless you find them secondhand. So um, it was a very interesting time at the dismantler. Um, I saw the importance of the parts, and I met several uh, very uh, inspirational people. One day I remember uh, I was at the office, and there was a gentleman that walked in, and he had a cap on his head, and he's like, hey, I'm looking for a radio to put in my uh, 911. It's an old 911, but I would like a modernized uh, functionality, but with an old look mm-hmm. to this radio. And at the time, I, I didn't know who he was. I said, okay, well, um, let me show you what idea I have. And what happened was I'd looked through the stock of the uh, Porsche radios, and I noticed that there was a model called the CDR220. And this had a very classic layout with the two knobs, one on the left, one on the right. But the actual faceplate was a more modernized plastic with an LCD. And uh, I had given the idea that maybe we should take this faceplate and reface it uh, mm-hmm. to look like an older radio, perhaps with leather and uh, metallic accents. Mm-hmm. Later on, uh, I found out this radio became uh, one of the pro type radios for uh, the Singer vehicles. Oh, oh my goodness. And uh, Rob's shop was around the corner and, you know, that was another of the inspirational places I'd visited during my time there. And at the time, it was just him and this other gentleman and they were just working on one car. And it's amazing how uh, when you have a passion, you have a dream with the right parts, anything can be possible. And right then I said, "Uh aha, if I can provide the right parts to the customer, that is looking for something very unique, I think that that would be an amazing uh, business because it doesn't exist outside of the factory. Yes. <laughs> I'm laughing because it's a small world. I've, I had Rob Dickinson on the show about four weeks ago or so. Uh, actually, we did a two-part show uh, with his story. And uh, as we're recording this, I just got his new book in the mail, which is an absolutely fantastic book. I gave one of them away to one of our listeners uh, just last week. 
And the dismantler you're working at, was that Todd's shop, L.A. Dismantlers? Yes, yes, that was Todd and Sarah's shop. Yep, Todd's been a guest here on Cars, yes. So small world there in Sun Valley, which is where you were working at the time, just north of Los Angeles over the mountains there. So uh, very cool. That's a great story about Rob coming in and uh, buying that first radio for that first singer. Now, that's a car that I would like to have someday. Very nice, very nice thing about it was after all this time had passed several months ago not knowing that um, we were I was behind this uh, company they had ordered some prototypes to be done for their uh, vehicles nice. Oh, nice. and so it's it's funny how the community is so small and what you see one day can come back as a customer or an inspiration the next day absolutely great story now how about proudest career moments I would assume you've had many although you're a pretty young guy so You've got a long way to go, but is there one in particular you could share with us? Sure. The day that we met uh, at the Porsche event in Monterey, Mm -hmm. we had prepared uh, one of the first cars that had featured every single piece of the interior wrapped in leather. This included rearview mirror, AC vents, all the trunk plastics, anything that you would touch was of a higher quality than the standard plastic. Mm -hmm. And for us, it was amazing because we had rushed to get this car done in time. In addition to the interior work, we had also installed a TPC turbo kit and we had several uh, exterior modifications that were done, a lot of it by uh, TechArt. And this was an opportunity to uh, show uh, the Porsche enthusiasts in person uh, our capabilities. Beforehand, most customers would purchase our products through our online store, looking at various pictures and photos. It was a wonderful moment to be at that booth, to have that show car with all of our parts displayed and have customers come up to our booth and say, oh, yeah, you're Frank. It's so good to match the face with the, <laughs> yes. with the, the, the gentleman over the phone or the guy writing the email. And it was very nice to get this uh, in-person feedback about our products. Well, very nice. I saw that vehicle there. It was absolutely spectacular. So congratulations to you and your team for for doing such uh, wonderful, tremendous work. It really was, it blew me away. I crawled through there and, oh my gosh, this is so nice. So bravo. Yeah, you're welcome. Let's, uh, Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special vehicle? And maybe you could share a memory you have with that car or truck or bike or whatever it might have been. So the first vehicle that uh, was important for me was a vehicle I created when I was 12 years old. Okay. And (laughs) this vehicle was created from uh, wood, wheelbarrow tires, and uh, bits from the hardware store. (laughs) Our our local town had one of these uh, downhill races Mm -hmm. that uh, were to be held near the downtown. And uh, all the children were set about to buy these kit cars and to uh, put them together and to race it down these hills. So at the time, I, I couldn't justify the cost for the kit, nor did I think it was very fun putting together somebody else's kit. So <laughs> I decided that it was going to be up to one myself and one of my good friends to uh, spend the summer building this car. 
far. It, it was a wonderful experience uh, from the sketching of it to going to the hardware store and to putting that thing together. And I remember that when it was complete and we put a nice red uh, lacquer on it, actually, at that time, uh, <laughs> we said, wow, it, it kind of actually looks like a Jeep Wrangler that's been smushed a little bit because we even put a integrated roll bar up there and wow. it, had a, it had a nice uh, three-spoke Momo steering wheel. So it, it was it was definitely a fancy car. It was a head turner. We did not calculate the fact that since the diameter of the wheel was smaller than the than the wheelchair size wheels that came on the original kit cars, we ended up not winning the race. But for me, it was a victory uh, as far as designing something from scratch and seeing it become a reality uh, from my imagination. So <laughs> very cool. I love it. And then the next car that was very important for me is uh, when I was 14 years old, I spent all day on that auto trader. They had a magazine at that time, I remember. And I was looking at what type of car would I like as my first car. And I was looking at things like 924s, 944s. I was a a Porsche and Mercedes fan. So Mm -hmm. uh, even even things such as maybe a a 190E or something like that. And uh, I came across an opportunity by my uncle that he had an old 300E that had a transmission that was giving out. Mm And he was looking to junk the car. And I, I was taken by the fact that this 190E had the glass European headlight. It had the Lorenzer wheels. It had a lowered suspension. It looked a little bit different than the other Mercedes that I was used to seeing at the time. Yeah. And when I looked at it, I, I said, this car has potential. So even before I could drive, I was stockpiling parts for this car <laughs> as a 14-year-old. You know, a normal kid's room at that time would probably have maybe like a Nintendo and a Sega and you know some other sports equipment something like that i had a, a, Remus had a car parts store <laughs> yeah i had a amg wheels i had everything stacked up ready to go and it was fun uh, i had searched through the entire nation and put together basically uh, are you familiar with the 500e Oh, yeah. So I had put together a, a 500E slash uh, AMG Hammer clone. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and wow. uh, it was a modernized version, of course. I had integrated a lot of newer technology in it. It had a uh, auto-dimming mirror. It had a home link system. It had a DVD system. It, it was uh, done in a way as if though what would happen if Mercedes were to facelift this car past the last generation in 1995. And for me, I learned from this car about parts interchange. I learned about how parts could be adapted from different vehicles. And basically, I was able to experiment with this style of upgrading and uprating and facelifting an older car to look like a newer car. Nice. Yeah, I was at the Porsche factory when they were putting the engines and transmissions in those cars for Mercedes. And I remember walking by this one building, kind of nondescript in the middle of the factory. And down in the basement, I looked down through this window and I asked the tour guide, I said, what are a bunch of Mercedes doing here? And he said, oh, that's a special project. Those were the 500 E's that they were putting those uh, monster engines in. So very cool. Yeah, those are amazing. So uh, at the end, that car was a test bed for a lot of the ideas I had. And uh, it, it taught me a lot about actually uh, modifying the car. And it's a very special car for me. I still have it. Oh, nice. Yes. Um, it, it's uh, one of those cars that you keep because there's so much memory attached to it. Right. Yeah. 
Then the third and final car that's very special for me is uh, after I was done with the Mercedes as far as uh, modifying it and learning about it, I, I felt a sense that I've... I know everything now. I, I need to explore something else. So I got into Porsche. Mm -hmm. And uh, at that point, I had always wanted a Porsche. I wanted a 968 so badly as my first car, but it was so expensive. And during the time that I was in school, I had these side jobs. I was selling and buying parts. And I was able to save up enough money to buy a 911 at this point. And I had really wanted a 993 at the time. Yeah. Uh, but 993 was very expensive, uh, not as expensive as it is now, but uh, it was a little bit beyond my reach at the time. Mm -hmm. So uh, I sprung for a very clean 996. Uh, there was a gentleman that uh, had just gotten a 360 Modena, and he was looking to sell his very low mileage 996 at a discount. And I had never really considered the 996 as an option, but uh, it was a Porsche and the performance was very nice. And uh, I could see some potential in that car. Yeah. This car to me uh, was a car that was designed very well, but executed very poorly. Because of the time period that this was built, some say that the 986 and the 996 is the car that uh, saved Porsche as a company. And they used a lot of cost-saving techniques uh, throughout the car and uh, were able to reduce the cost as opposed to the handmade 993 cars. Mm -hmm. And uh, you could see that. That was prevalent throughout the interior and exterior of the car. Right. So uh, I took it upon myself to say that I'm used to uh, very nicely built uh, cars. Uh, my father had a... 140 Mercedes and I envied the build quality of that car and subsequently I had compared every single uh, car interior to the build quality of that although unfairly and from my past uh, being exposed to so many different cars and car interiors as a child I had come to an idea of what would be the most what would be the most uh, elegant and well-made uh, interior that could be for this Porsche so looking at this interior that we were faced with a lot of plastics a lot of vinyl that it wasn't the best feeling it didn't even look like leather it, it wasn't the best place to sit it was very ergonomic looking for the time and uh, it was a nice design the lines were beautiful but the materials were, were not very good mm. so um, I set up some research seeing what could be done and I realized that this is not the way that the maximum potential of this interior is from the factory, that there's a series of very expensive options that are quite rare and only found when the car is uh, specified to the maximum with the, all the check marks checked. Mm -hmm. And you can have anything you want in carbon, wood, and leather. Mm. So I took the task of ripping this entire interior out, Mark, and I f was looking for parts to fix this car up. I, I could not find anywhere to buy these parts other than the dealership. And it was very difficult to order these parts. You would need a VIN number. Or if you would go to a salvage facility, most of these were damaged in the process of being removed or in the middle of being stored. Yeah. And um, it was very difficult to piece together all of these different parts because my dream was to restore the interior and exterior 
to the point where I was proud of this 996, as if though this 996 had rolled off the factory in this form. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. you, you had read about the headlights being off. You read about, you know, the engines blowing up. You read about all of these bad things for the 996. But I was there to prove that the 996 could indeed be a very respectful and very high quality product yeah. if the attention to detail was there. So to make a long story short, I was able to source a GT2 interior for a gentleman that was waiting to track his car. So he got it his entire interior when the car was almost new. And I installed a uh, full leather GT2 interior in my early 996. Very cool. Very cool. And um, (laughs) then I was satisfied that now that the car had a glove box, the car had a nice uh, looking dashboard and I went about getting the a la carte options. It didn't stop there. It was almost an obsession, Mark. Uh, every night when I went to sleep, I dreamed about those leather air vents. You know, oh how would I gosh. find them? Where would I find them? And, you know, I it, it was amazing because I would go to the extent of even buying parts that were a different color and having them dyed or going to uh, European sites and having the site translated so I could buy some old stock. And nevertheless, that 996 was very special because... Because in a way, it was the prototype and it was the uh, groundwork to be laid for exclusive option. It provided me with a pseudo laboratory, a test bed to see how these types of high-end leather parts could upgrade the interior of a car. And uh, to this day, I I still have that car and it, it has a full GT3 suspension. It's been supercharged, full aero kit. You can't even wrap recognize it anymore but it's all been done in a very factory-esque manner yeah. and uh, as very if though cool. the car was facelifted again <laughs> very cool awesome story now how about current projects we're in 2016 now what are some new things that you're looking at uh, with your company this year Sure. Uh, We're actually in the process of building a design center, and this is going to be a physical brick-and-mortar location that uh, customers can bring their Porsches and view some of the materials we have, some of the parts that we have, and maybe some of the uh, complete projects that we have. Uh, Lately, we had a lot of customers that are sending us entire interiors. Uh, We get interiors from as far as Australia, Singapore, Europe, and they'll send door panels, dashboards to us, and it's amazing that uh, they're willing to incur all this headache to send these large bulky items because they realize that they love their Porsche and they want it to be a place that they love to sit in and enjoy as well. Mm-hmm. And um, I always reiterate to my customers, I say that no matter how much performance your car is or how beautiful it is from the outside, uh, when you're interacting with your car, you are sitting inside your car. Mm-hmm. And um, why not make the place where you sit just as beautiful as the performance or the exterior? (laughs) Great way to say it. It Sounds very exciting. I can't wait to see when it's finished. Where will this facility be? This is located in the East Bay, in the Bay Area. Awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Frank. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? Well, uh, the car that I would be is, I think, a 993. Okay. Why a Targa? Um, well, I think with a Targa, when you pull that glass roof back, you the sky's the limits. There you and, go. you know, it's a beautiful view when it's closed. So yeah. either way, it's a beautiful place it. to sit. And <laughs> 993 has always had a special place in my heart. So. Absolutely. Love those vehicles, too. I had one. I had a 98. So I wish I still had it. 
Wonderful. Well, Frank, up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsor. Hey, Cars Yeah listeners, I have a question. What's the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior? It's with a car cover. I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's the fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft is the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers, and they are crafted to fit like a custom suit with over 80,000 patterns available. And they're made in the USA. But Covercraft is much more than car covers. Their vehicle protection system protects your cars, motorcycles, watercrafts, and RVs, exteriors from the elements, and the interiors from the wear and tear of daily life. Car covers, front end masks, dash covers, seat covers, floor mats, and much, much more. Covercraft offers you a full array of custom accessories made specifically for and styled to complement and protect your special vehicle. Covercraft is the right choice. I use them on all my vehicles, and your special vehicles will love them too. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. And you can get free shipping when you use the code at checkout, CARSYEAH. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Frank, we're back and we're entering the last lap. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Sure. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Regressing back to the conversation I had with Tom at the Academy of Art, I asked him a very simple question. Uh, I asked him, uh, what constitutes timeless design? And in short, he said, when you're waxing the car, the more grooves and bumps and ridges the car has, uh, that detracts from the form and the overall proportion of the car as a whole. And the best timeless design is simple and functional design. Mm. And uh, that's uh, something that I agree with and uh, something that I believe in wholeheartedly in most things. How about a personal habit that you have that you believe has helped contribute to your success? Mark, I would say it's persistence. Mm. Uh, entrepreneurship is a very, uh, it's a lonely road. Uh, yes. It's a challenging <laughs> one. But it is one that I believe has the greatest reward. The time yes. that we are here uh, on this planet, it should be spent doing things that we love. And uh, if we are not doing things that we love, getting to the point where we can do something that we love and enjoy it and make a living off it, I think is very important. And the same goes for perfecting products. The same goes for uh, providing service. Uh, it, if you are persistent at it, you'll constantly be improving and constantly be making better. And I think that's uh, one of the keys that uh, I like to focus on. Very much so. Very much so. How about a resource? I know there are a lot of them out there, but is there one in particular you think our listeners would enjoy? 
Sure. I'd like to give thanks and I'd like to give a, um, I'd like to shine the spotlight on uh, Son and Porsche. Okay. Son and Porsche, uh, their parts department, they've been very cooperative with us and they've allowed us to tinker with their parts and allowed us to do research and you know measure things and provide us parts brought in from Germany and they've been very cooperative in, in our endeavor for providing uh, parts that are very close to the factory or even some cases as you said surpass the quality so uh, I'd like to thank them and their uh, parts department team for providing us with this opportunity to be so close to the parts that we work on. And I would encourage anybody that wants to order some parts to give them a call. And uh, they're very knowledgeable staff. So as with uh, Suncoast Porsche, Rick at Suncoast Porsche is another asset that I would recommend to any Porsche owner. And uh, as a result, I believe that uh, we may be having them distribute some of our parts very soon. So very look for nice. us there. Yeah. Sonnen, they're in Mill Valley, right? S-O-N-N-E-N? And the other company, again, where are they located? They're located in Florida. In Florida. Okay, across the country. Cool. Very nice. Nice shout out to those folks. Now, how about a book? Is there one book in particular you've read that you think our listeners would enjoy? Sure. Uh, this book is not automotive related, but there's a book. It's called Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. <laughs> Gladwell, yes. Yes, <laughs> it's a very interesting book and, you know, focuses on how people have different experiences and opportunities. And I believe that uh, that's a very valid point that he makes, especially the 10,000 hour rule and the hard work and dedication and persistence and passion. And, you know, it's, it's an amazing Amazing story after that. Yeah, Malcolm Gladwell has a series of really great books, and he's been recommended by many folks here. And I'll remind our listeners you can find links to all these great resources Frank has been so nice to share at carsyad.com slash Frank Adeli. His last name is A-D-E-L-I. There's another great place on the Carsyad website called Guest Recommended Books where you can go and see Frank's book and all the other past 450 plus guests here with quick, easy links to purchase these books and read them and learn from them. Awesome. All right, we are up to the checkered flag. And this last question, Frank, can be a real doozy. If you could have only one, yeah, I said just one, collector car in your garage, you can still keep your daily drivers, so don't worry about that. But don't worry about the price, because today I'll buy you whatever you'd like. What would that one vehicle be and why? Thank you, Mark. That's a, that's an amazing, <laughs> amazing proposition. And uh, I think that that car would be a uh, Carrera GT. A Carrera GT. Okay. Well, Let's talk a little bit about the Carrera GT. Very special car, very unique car, very rare car. What is it about that car that, that really just lights your fire? <laughs> you know, this car, just the noise of it alone is, is the buy-in. And the fact that the design, the exclusivity, it blends a motorsport heritage with a very functional design, uh, it's aged very gracefully. At the time that that car came out, I knew it was something special. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it has so much of the old-school mentality behind it in an era where everything is so uh, infused with technology, to me, that's a little bit of the appeal. Um, it's a little bit like a farewell to an era of automobiles that uh, I envy and I think is one of the heydays of the uh, motorsport. So this Carrera GT, I think, is one of those cars that you would buy, keep, drive forever, and 
hybrid technology will become better. Batteries will become more efficient. Cars will get faster zero to 60 times. But when it comes down to pure sound and passion and old school technology fused with modern materials, I think that you can't top the Carrera GT. Yeah, very special car. Now, to make sure I get you the right one, what color would you like? You know, I, I, it doesn't need to have a color or an interior because you, I would like to bring it to our shop and we will add our special touch to both interior and exterior. There you go. Customized. Timer would be fine for me. Okay. All right. All right. I'll do that for you. Well, Frank, you have taken me on a great ride today. I've really enjoyed getting to know more about you and learning about your business. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yeah thank listeners. You. You're welcome. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in your Carrera GT? Life needs to be lived with passion on every level. Being conscious of your environment, how you wish to interact with your environment, uh, this is very important. As long as every moment counts for you, everything that you interact with is special to you. This puts the passion, the love, even the craftsmanship back into the things we interact with in this world. Uh, I believe that what makes our company a little bit different than other companies out there is we're using a lot of old school, old world techniques and craftsmanship and infusing a little bit of love into each of the parts. <laughs> when everything has a little bit of love infused into it, it's that much more enjoyable. So I believe that in life, we just need to have passion for things on every level. And visit us at exclusiveoption.com. That was my next question. Very well said, by the way. So the best way for listeners to learn about you is at your website, exclusiveoption.com, correct? Yes, yes. You can visit our website at Exclusive Option. There we have a catalog of some of the parts we offer. And uh, any questions or special requests you have, feel free to reach out. Uh, we are always excited to do special projects and work with clients on their dreams for their interiors. And uh, look out for our latest show car at the upcoming uh, events in Monterey. There you go. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything Frank has shared on his very own show notes page at carsyad.com. Just type Frank in the search bar and that page will pop up with the links. I'd encourage you to go to the website, check out these parts that they create. They are absolutely spectacular, really, really fine quality. I put my hands on them. I've seen them myself. They're just the best of the best of the best. So, Frank, thanks again for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with the listeners and with me. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you so much, Mark. It's been a pleasure. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.